episode of Let's Talk About SACT. My name is Michael. I'm a advanced cancer pharmacist and the education and training secretary and the podcast host. And today it's slightly different. We've got three guest speakers, lovely technicians from Northumbria. I've got Nicola Armstrong, Rebecca Toole and Emma Brownbridge. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Nicola. Um, I've worked in Northumbria for about eight years now. Qualified as a technician in 2012 and did a little stint in community. Then came back to Northumbria and have worked as a medicines management technician on the wards until May last year when I moved over into oncology. Completed my BTEC level four last year, which was very interesting. Yeah, that's about me. Lovely to meet you. Uh, Rebecca, would you like to go next? Hello, I'm Rebecca. I've been in Northumbria since 2019, qualified as a technician in 2015 and did my little stint in community then. I then started as a medicines management technician until April last year and then I moved over into oncology. And Emma? Hi, so I've got a slightly different background. I've been in the trust for since 2017 and I started as a dispensing assistant and then was offered a job on the oncology unit in a new role in chemotherapy medicine assistant role, which I can talk a little bit about later. And then I did my technician qualification during my time in Northumbria and qualified in September. And at which point I applied for the um, oncology technician role for one of the sites and started that probably around about December. So just kind of moved into that. So that's me. Perfect. Well, it's lovely to have you all here. So what are we talking about today? Technicians, Esteran, sacked. And we're the first ones. (laughs) You are. So it's very exciting. We've, We've never had that before. I don't know who wants to answer this question, but how did the idea come about? So I think, so like I say, I started as a chemotherapy ward medicine assistant, which was something one of the lead pharmacists decided that would be useful. Just to give a bit of background, our trust is massive. So it kind of spreads from near Carlisle. There's a hospital there to like up towards Scotland, Berwick, um, and then to like North Shields. So there's hospitals kind of dotted all over. There's five oncology day units and the chemo is made in one of the hospitals, which is based in Ashington. So as you can imagine, it takes a lot of like communication, a lot of kind of organisation to make it work, basically. So the medicine assistant role was kind of brought about from that and it worked really well in communication between the nurses and dispensary, aseptics and pharmacist was like really increased. It was really improved just from that. But it soon became apparent that there was more there for pharmacy to get involved with and that's kind of why I decided I want to be a technician because I was like I could see how much I could do on the ward but I couldn't at that point but potentially do so it was talked about quite a lot nothing it kind of took obviously things take a long time usually in healthcare to get kind of developed and it kind of came from that and it came from COVID the lack of nurses able to give chemo the the struggle to recruit and the business case came from that I think and we got funding to get three technicians in oncology and that's where it came from so and then here we are so I'll let the girls kind of lead on from that talk about some administration and kind of things that we do yeah so how did you how did the process actually start I think it was more so we used to get together and there was just like a gap there was there was the medicine assistant role there was the pharmacist role 
and there was just room in between. So the push that finally did it was, I think, Esme came in, who's the lead cancer pharmacist at the moment, um, came into role and she took it forward. And we we kind of got data to prove that we were we couldn't recruit nurses. We kind of looked at, you know, was there a reason why we couldn't help if we had a technician in oncology, why we couldn't help with administration? There wasn't a reason why we looked into that. And that was kind of the push we needed. And it was approved by the business team, the business case team. And we got the funding and that was it. And then it went from there. And what training did you have to do to be able to do this? So there was a lot of training involved before we went into post with me and Nicola because we weren't originally from oncology we had to sign up and do venipuncture and cannulation we did medical devices oxygen and suctioning we did the basic life support Nicola did we do anything else no I think that might have been everything before we got into role and then there's been lots of training and and things since we've gotten into role as well a lot of shadowing the nurses when we initially first got onto the unit and then from there we've gone on to do a uni course about chemotherapy and the side effects and then it's just ongoing learning as you go on through each day there's new drugs coming every time so it's constant you're constantly training and what measures did you have to look at to ensure safety and governance procedures were followed I know SNA updated our SACT policy so that we were then named professionals that could give chemotherapy so that we were covered from a, a trust perspective. We've had to do sort of competency logs to make sure that we're happy administering, that we know the process of assessing a patient and knowing what you're looking for, what sort of red flag symptoms that you're going to refer on to someone else because a lot of our um, patients are seen on a nurse-led unit where we don't have prescribers where oncologists are visiting from Newcastle so mm-hmm. whilst we have on-site haematologists we haven't always got prescribers or the consultant always at hand so it's known at what point you have to say actually hold on a minute you know we, we need to speak to someone else make sure that actually everything's okay to go ahead and so it's competency logs making sure that we have individual drug sign off so we've done sort of profile on each drug itself including like the side effects how it should be taken if it's an oral chemotherapy you know everything that you're looking for the main toxicities and how you would triage a patient if they were shown those symptoms when they came in for for their treatment so it's kind of an ongoing process really and in terms of in terms of the logs what, what did they look like? What did you actually have to do? So there was lots of different sets of logs. So we had, oh, now, Becca, you're going to have to help us out on this one. <laughs> we had phase one. So this is for the, the oral chemotherapy log. Well, first of all, we had blood, like venipuncture logs and cannulation logs. And then when it gets onto the oral, it then comes in sets. So we had phase one, which was very much about the drug like the patient's initials if there was any problems when you were giving it out if they didn't get the drug and then it was signed off it was quite because it was very new it was just a playing it by ear sort of thing and then we did a log on assessing a patient so making sure we've recorded the weight are there any toxicities that they've had during the previous cycle were the bloods okay to be signed off 
just making sure that basically they're, they're fit to go ahead and that everything's okay bloods are okay they're okay and the performance scores all okay and that's there's no reason to not give or if they weren't okay to have treatment then there was a little bit to say deferred and then who you contacted if you had to contact consultants senior nurses that sort of thing and there was bits so even if you hadn't deferred you you could put down that you know you had referred them on to Macmillan or you had got in touch with a GP to prescribe you know supplementary medication things like if you're given like a a psychology referral you could know all that down just so you could say actually this is what's gone alongside this patient just getting their treatment it's sort of the holistic side of it as well it sounds like you're doing a lot more than just sacked administration it, it's it's oh, quite yeah. a big project we did one of the other logs as well i think which is really important to mention is that when we first started we had remember girls like the individual drug sheets so like say if we were to give like a cabesite to be you know something like that you would write the name of the drug down you would use the SPC to look at like, the main side effects. You would look at things that you would need to, like critical tests before you gave it. So looking at things like cardiac history and stuff for cabecitabine, looking at managing like tumour markers, like knowing how to take it, like, you know, to be able to interpret them, even though they aren't the be all and end all of somebody's situation, just important to be able to think that's increasing, what should I do? Any things like with new drugs, there's quite a lot of new drugs for, you know, like lung cancers, like ozimertinib, things like that, with potential side effects of um, pneumonitis and like more recent with immunotherapies and stuff that we need to look out for that aren't just, that are quite new compared to your original chemotherapies as well. So it was like basic making like a portfolio really, wasn't it as well? That's very exciting. Does this project cover all disease sites including haematology and oncology or is it just oncology based no it's haematology as well and are there differences between oncology and haematology or is it very similar massive massive difference what what are some of the differences between the process i don't know so much the processes of like assessing everything that way is still very much the same i personally feel like it's the parameters of blood tests Mm-hmm. Like blood tests, for example, the parameters could be in the boots and the haematologist will say give. Whereas if it was a solid tumour, I don't it it's very unlikely that they would get treatment in that case. The importance mm-hmm. of giving the the haematology patients their treatment is as well as the oncology, but if you know, if it's a curative non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, they very much don't want anybody to miss the treatment. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And in terms of the actual process and the development, this has never been done before in other centres in the UK. You're the first ones. Was there any resistance from other members of staff when it comes to this increased responsibility for pharmacy technicians in your trust? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I personally think it came down to, I, I don't think a lot of the nurses or it was mostly nurses, I think, from Hexham um, and the really other sites as well. I don't think they really understood the difference between us and them. I don't think they fully got, got like what a pharmacy technician does. And I think it was kind of like, well, how come they can do that? And they're the same kind of level as us sort of thing. I don't think they kind of realised what the full job description of us entails. And there was a bit like, well, why why don't we just get another nurse? But it just wasn't as simple as that. 
but I think now it's kind of it's totally turned 360 really hasn't it would you say that yeah yeah I think so and I guess you know it was something completely completely different and I guess it's that risk that especially if you're a senior nurse if you're having to sort of look after us you know it's not a, a known profession that's been on the unit before particularly and being so hands-on to kind of say well we know like as a nurse you'd have gone to uni and you'll have learned this that and the other and you'll be kind of prepared to look after a patient whereas it's a completely different qualification and you we've all kind of come from similar pharmacy backgrounds but actually even for pharmacy this is massive and, and completely different to anything that anybody's done so I think there's probably a bit of resistance from pharmacy side and us a yeah. little bit yeah so what did you do to overcome that resistance is there anything that you did in particular to actually make sure that the team gelled well together I think it was a bit of time when and just you know bring in a bit of our pharmacy side to it um so for example now we do um a pre-assessment on the patient who's coming through on the medication history and allergies that sort of thing and we get that prepared for them already before the nurses go in and actually do the the and the pre-assessment about the drugs and they think it's amazing because you know, they don't go into depth the way we do we try it like troll the GP records and we know we'll get every dose because it's our bread and butter yeah. and then over time they've actually been like no 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 you're not leaving you're not leaving you can't go anywhere <laughs> oh that's really good yeah yeah I think there's a lot of um I've had a, especially this week I think there's some really good examples that we've we kind of provide a lot of intervention don't we like when we do a medication history there's a lot of things that we can pick up on early on and you often get a lot of really sick patients that are on a lot of things before they start the treatment like I know this week I was in, I've been involved in this lady who was on reduced index methadone for brain metastases and like I say because we're such a remote trust and the main bodies of consultants are in Newcastle he's prescribing her reducing steroids but she didn't get them because she was in a rural village in Northumberland with a GP hadn't had the let and just sort and things like that switching from like when people get clots and they're on tins of and then they can switch switch to orals it's kind of sorting that out people who just have uncontrolled pain who aren't managing being able to flag that discussing with consultants doctors macmillan teams gps like intervening like early and being able to kind of help and it really prepares them before they come in and it helps the nurses before we can get started and kind of just smooths that pathway into sac treatment rather than them coming in like two days before and then finding out then that there's issues and then having to deal with it then I think we kind of make it a bit more streamlined I would say yeah definitely yeah because we're quite lucky in especially sort of north northumberland we've got a lot of pharmacy staff in PCN roles so rather than you know if there's something that we need a GP to follow up whether it's bloods we've got seem to have a million patients at the minute that have got low magnesium and we're pushing the magnesium back to the GP to monitor and give supplements and sort of before we were in post they might have to sit on the phone trying to get through to a GP for 
45 minutes before they even get through whereas actually if we've got a contact in primary care we can just email and say actually we've got these results can you pass on to the GP can I send you an email and it's all getting picked up like that so it's just saving a lot of time with interventions as well when you've kind of got the contacts in primary care and bringing like the patient's cancer care sort of all together with the normal issues that they would go to the GP with and I think that's made a difference to patients as well I know we have had a gentleman with uncontrolled pain a few weeks ago came and I said oh I'm going to just speak to the pharmacist that works in your GP practice because I think what you're on at the minute is just not cutting it and he's now getting weekly pain reviews with practice pharmacist and he came in he was like oh I've had three phone calls with the pharmacist it's been great he's keeping an eye and that makes a massive difference to the patient because actually they've kind of now got a contact on the unit and they've got a contact in their GP surgery so kind of makes it less of an issue when an oncology problem occurs they can go to the GP because they've kind of got somebody there that knows what's going on and vice versa. It sounds like a much more streamlined process and it sounds like you have you're making a lot of good interventions so already it sounds like it's a very good project and hopefully it'll spread nationwide with you guys being the first ones to do so. Apart from the resistance from staff, were there any other barriers or difficulties when it came to setting up the project? I think the the worry was at the very beginning for me was, am I like, does the trust indemnity, does that cover us? That was the biggest fear for me when we first started um, and we've had reassurance that you know it does and we are fine but I think that was and then the whole thing of actually oh my goodness we are now administrating sacked <laughs> but yeah they were the two big things I would say yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's such a big responsibility and it's responsibility that we've never had before because even on a ward like an award-based setting generally be working with a pharmacist and if there was something that you thought oh I'm not keen on that I'm just going to push it you know not push it on to someone else but I'm going to ask their opinion and see if you know what I think is right but because we're such a small group of technicians and it's and it's great we've had lots of support from nursing staff so obviously there is someone there if you've got a problem if you want to talk through a patient and I quite often find myself saying, right, I'm going to do this, but what would you do if it was you? And I think it's the responsibility of now you're actually in charge of someone's treatment almost and saying like, yes, okay, I think that's fine. You can have that treatment. It's not a decision that we've ever made before. So that's quite, and I think you go home thinking, did I do the right thing? You know, if if the name crops up a few days later, you're like, okay, what was that? You know, if the ring with her high temperature you're like oh no my chemo like three days ago (laughs) and I think the main thing to take from it as well is we you know we do see patients alone but we always have second checks you always always have somebody there for advice whether it be nurse I think we've developed closer relationships with the oncologists I know we we use junior doctors quite a lot for advice so I think it's always just being able to remember that you're never having to make these decisions on your own yeah, and I, I think that's really important to have a very supportive MDT, yeah. particularly of your newfound responsibility. And what is your advice to other trusts or pharmacy technicians wanting to implement this? Do it. 
I think skill mix is hugely the way forward. I think, especially when you listen to the news and things and you know yourself what it's like working in healthcare and the NHS, there is a lack of staff. There's a lack of funding. There's a lack of quite a lot. And I think it is a struggle. I think being able to recognise that going forward utilising so many different skill mixes is just going to be so important you know so you've got like your consultants your doctors your pharmacists your ECP role now we've got quite a few advanced clinical practitioners or people in training with that then you've got your pharmacists your pharmacy technicians being able to mix everyone's knowledge and skills within an MDT is so useful and it does contribute to excellent patient care absolutely I, I could not agree with you more and I know we've touched on this a little bit previously, but what benefits have you seen since you've started doing this? Personally, it's progression in a pharmacy technician role, because I know for me, I've had been a ward-based pharmacy technician for a number of years, and you almost see pharmacist progression happen very, very quickly, but there's not an awful lot of progression for technicians that aren't any got specialist roles that were clinical in our trust so we did see people going into primary care care homes and things like that but actually if you want to stay hospital based any progression was removed from the clinical setting so you were kind of going into an office job if that's what you wanted to do so this was almost an opportunity to learn new skills to adapt into a different role, which was most of the the attraction of the role for me. Obviously, I'd done the, the diploma where you're learning all of these clinical skills, and actually, this is a really good role to put those in a practice. There's not a massive amount of oncology, hematology, learning content in the diploma, but actually being much more patient-facing has been a massive it, you know, it's a, it's a sense of achievement, really, and managing to do things like taking bloods, you know, it sounds like a daft thing, but actually there's still nothing like when you see a bit of flashback in a needle going like, yes, I'm in. And it, it's little things like that, you know, you do get a boost. It's a stressful job. I think you spend a lot of your time worrying about decisions that you've made and hoping that, you know, you've done right and you've done the best for a patient, but actually the job satisfaction of it is massive yeah. and knowing that you're putting in place things that are useful for patients so useful for other members of staff both pharmacy staff and oncology unit staff because it's nice now that you know unfortunately a lot of our patients are then seen in the acute setting and they're seen coming through the doors of hospitals and they've now got a pharmacy contact within oncology that they can say actually we've had this patient admitted can you give us a bit of info and yeah. you know but it's kind of worked both ways really so yeah because yeah. we still do our end working at the minute um so we will rotate in the emergency hospital and I, I know one of just one of the many many benefits is that if we are working in on the emergency hospital site and an oncology patient or hematology patient is admitted we have access to all of those records and at some point, I know me and Becca did a weekend together and I had some patients that were mine, she had some patients that were hers and we knew everything, we didn't, we knew what was going on with them and it's so helpful to like the team, the consultants on call, the haematologists that are there, the nurses, the healthcare's, because you can get all that background information, you know the patient, it's a friendly face for them. 
that's been a huge benefit. I think my benefit is it's getting out there what pharmacy technicians can actually do. Because I think a lot of people don't know what we do or aren't aware of what we do on a daily basis on the wards, in community. Yeah. And they're very much like, so what do you actually do? But it's so nice now being able to show different MDT what we actually do and then yeah. hopefully getting out to other trusts what we're doing and just getting people talking. Yeah, yeah, I think that was a bit of a resistance, wasn't it? Because they didn't, people just weren't in the know of what we did and they were kind of like, who hey, are these people <laughs> doing these things? But I think now, like, people are, people can see the benefit that we're having and that everyone's just, you know, we're taking a lot of work from other staff, enabling them to, you know, you, you, utilise their skills in more appropriate ways. We're utilising our skills in more appropriate ways and it's allowing everyone to, use their knowledge in the most appropriate way which is the best that you can the best thing that you can have really it's incredible what you've done and this project definitely shows how much the pharmacy profession has gone and is going to continue to grow so very proud of what you have achieved i hope more trusts implement this what do you think are the future plans for this project I think there's so much scope of different ways that that it could go. Obviously, we've got a couple of our ward medicines assist, uh, chemotherapy medicines assistants, are doing their technician training. So hopefully, they will come and join the team of technicians. And it's, I think there's there's just such a variety of ways it can go. And it's whether we sort of start administering different medications. Um, there's been talk of us going on to IV therapies, but there's also you know, we could be doing clinic work, we could be taking work away from the oncology day units because at the minute everything is done on the units or mm. even people coming in for oral therapies, you know, whether they're taken sort of away from the units and done in an outpatient setting. Yeah, we can do we... that at Hexham already, just quickly, just to, just to give you that information. We have a prostate clinic for oral medications such as like enzalutamide, apalutamide. So now there's no nurse that sees them, there's no healthcare that sees them. Myself and a pharmacist do the work. So I'll do like the bloods and the um, obs and things and do toxicities and we administer the chemo together. So pharmacy are seeing this group of oncology patients. They don't even need to see the oncology day unit. Like obviously they come onto the unit but they don't see the nurses and we monitor that and we go directly to the oncologist with it with the issues and it's taken this huge chunk of patients away from them which has freed up so much more chair space and nurse time thinking that's like a plan that we could implement at other sites as well with other tumor groups well, is that I right would, yeah i know at our site that we're looking at doing haematology so yeah maintenance lenalidomide me and danielle who our, is our ward med assistant are looking at doing those to then free the nurses up to do the big ivs that's coming through and the new ivs because it it is the orals that take up so much time for them just being little slots and then you know it's good learning for the ward med assistants and then it's just we just integrate as a team and just i don't mm -hmm. know get the job yeah. done like you said, Emma, it's utilising your skills to improve patient care effectively, meaning that 
patient care improves and patients are put first. So it's really incredible what you are doing. Final question is, if anyone outside of your trust would like to know more about this project and how to implement it, is there a way to contact you? So mine is emma.brownbridge at northumbria-healthcare.nhs.uk. And mine is the same, but rebecca.tool with an A on the end. And mine is nicola.armstrong at northumbria-healthcare.nhs.uk. Splashing. Well, it's been lovely to have you here on this podcast, and I hope that other trusts do implement what you have done because it shows real scope at improving patient care. So thank you very much. And thank you everyone for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode of Let's Talk About Sex.